Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four, where we read chapter three. Yeah, episode four, chapter three. Uh, in this episode, we get to see our first glimpse of the Caves of the Damned. Yogmoth is descending down into the caves to study the disease that is affecting Glacian to try to find the source. And we get to meet a new character in this, a named character, a spooky character in our Halloween episode. No, I did not purposely try to line up all of this with Halloween so you would meet a spooky character on Halloween. That is just a coincidence. So get ready and enjoy. Thanks. Chapter 3. Yogmoth sat up in bed, sheets draping him. He'd spent months in this apartment. It was beginning to feel like home. Morning sunlight streamed through the eastern skylights. In the high windows above the western wall, the upper city floated in golden panorama. This was typical of Rebecca's designs. Her architecture always drew the eye upward and the feet afterwards. Entryways lay in the east, the place of origins, on, and on the lowest level. By rising through a gentle turn, the entrant came to see a spectacular view of the west, the place of destinies. Council hall, amphitheater, palaces, temples. The skyline of the eighth terrace presented a visual feast. By way of gentle stairs, the viewer rose toward that vision. The architecture of ascension, Rebecca called it, transforming all who entered. The bed was another entranceway, admitting a person from the land of dreams. Yogmoth had just arrived from such a place. He had been visiting Rebecca there. His dreaming eye had seen her approach, bearing a perfect world in her arms, except it hadn't been a perfect world, but her disease-ridden husband. Thysis. <sighs> Yogmoth yawned. Glacian suffered from Thysis progressive degeneration. Magic only exacerbated it. Removing the power stone from Glacian's wheeled chair had allowed the lesions on his back to clear up. Other advances came more slowly. Yogmoth had found plenty of microbial organisms. Little beasties was the name he used. In the various samples harvested from his patient, but all were secondary infections. The primary microbes were elusive. Yogmoth began to wonder if the creature he sought bridged the worlds of flesh and magic affecting both, but residing in neither. I just may find out today. In search of answers, he was bound for the filthiest, darkest place in Halcyon, the Caves of the Damned. This warren of caverns below the Manor Rig was home to criminal outcasts of Halcyon, the Untouchables. They were rife with Thysis. Surely Glacian had been infected by the man who stabbed him. Find that man, and he would find the source of the disease. The Caves of the Damned had once been a penal colony, where the city shipped all of its incorrigibles. Thieves and murderers were sent down into brimstone darkness. There they would farm mushrooms and catch blind-eyed fish and carve obsidian. They were there to learn communal cooperation, or die. Some learned too well. They banded together, overthrew their counselors and facilitators, and took over the caves. Every attempt Halcyon made to force a surrender resulted in dead negotiators. War was declared. The Halcyte Guard marched down to reclaim the caves. The prisoners fought viciously in their own element. At last, the city relented. It sealed off all but one entry into the caves and posted a garrison there to prevent upward incursions. Though the city had lost control of its penal colony, it had not lost a repository for its human refuse. Every day, chained parades of prisoners trooped down into the darkness. Their crimes were serious enough to result in the renunciation of their citizenship. Citizens of Halcyon were allowed to descend into the caves, to visit relatives, to minister to the ill, to do whatever they dared beyond the reach of law and reason. 
one's weapons were identified, and the citizen could not emerge unless all weapons came back with him. Some citizens even drifted down there to remain. Lunatics and indigents, laggards, disaffected youths, perverts, brawlers, and any number of others who found life in heaven more hellish than life in hell. As Rebecca had once said, Halcyon was a place of ascension, and some people preferred to descend. Today, Yogmoth was one of those folk. He donned his old travel robes. The leather was cleaned and mended, at Rebecca's insistence. Even when tattered, they had been proof against daggers in the back. The metal plates and ringmail sewn into the lining made that sure. These were robes that had guarded him against attacks of orcs and lizardmen. Surely they would ward off the diseased. Into one interior pocket, he tucked metal flasks and a set of scalpels. To another, he slipped three power stone lanterns. Two long coils of rope lay in bags by the door. About his waist, Yogmoth strapped a wide belt with daggers, darts, and a pair of swords, all dipped in poison. Yogmoth felt at home in the company of the damned. There's nothing we can do for you once you descend, shouted the guard captain from the embankment above the caves of the damned. There was never anything you could do for me. Yogmoth called back over his shoulder. He stood above a stone shaft that descended into utter darkness. The space seemed a mucousy larynx. Yogmoth had cut open one once, and a chilled breath came up from the black heart of the world. The thousands of others who had descended here had etched a switchback path along one slanted wall. Yogmoth had no patience to descend as others. He stooped to check the cable he had knotted to the stone column, and then flung the vast coil out into the unlit space beneath him rope unwound. The loop disappeared down the giant stone throat. It yanked tight and slapped the wall. Wrapping the rope around him once, Yogmoth stowed his lantern onto his belt. He donned steel-palmed gloves, clutched one hand on the rope above, and clamped the other to the strands below. They'll find you have no kin there. They'll strap your weapons in, kill you, and eat you, the captain insisted. Cannibals, madmen, monsters. Madmen, monsters, and me, Yogmoth declared. He flung himself into empty air. He hung there a moment and then plummeted. Cord whirred through his hands. The lantern flickered. Its gold light cast a ring across the cave walls. Yogmoth tightened his grip. The rope snapped taut. Yogmoth extended his legs, seeing his own shadow loom up across the wall. His feet struck stone. He pushed off again and released the whirring line. Rippling walls slid upward past him. He plunged. The cave air grew colder and wetter as he descended. Blackness above and blackness below. Yogmoth inhabited a slim ring of light. Each time his feet struck stone, the lantern flickered. A loose power stone. And threatened to go out. It was the sort of claustrophobic moment that would unhinge the minds of most men and women. But Yogmoth needed neither light nor solid ground to be at home. He only needed himself. One bound brought him down beside a ledge. His circle of light revealed a pile of bones the remains of travelers who had slipped from the path and landed in broken heaps. The fall had killed them, and something had eaten them. Cave crickets? Roaches? Mice? Perhaps the damned themselves. Down farther, Yogmoth passed a rag-garbed woman making the ascent. She cowered in the shadow of a stalagmite. If she had a light with her, it was hidden beneath her shabby clothes. Yogmoth's swift approach must have been terrifying to her. He looked directly into her eyes and flashed her his glittering smile. Her look of fear deepened. Yogmoth brought his boots thudding to ground beside her hiding place. He locked his gaze with hers, then he pushed off and plunged farther. The woman clambered from hiding, igniting her own light, a crude thing of oil and wick, 
and scrambled up the treacherous trail. Yogmoth continued down. For a time, there was only the whir of line through steel-palmed glove, the rhythm of boots striking stone. The first rope had been a thousand feet long, with knots along its last fifty feet. He reached those knots now, and stopped to tie off another five hundred foot length he carried at his waist. It bore him down past more of the same until the knots in its end struck his hands. He pulled up short, dangling in midair beneath the overhang. He fetched the lantern from his waist and held it out. The shaft descended straight away into murk, but in that murk, figures moved. They were human, or once had been. Perpetual darkness had given their skin an otherworldly pallor. Their eyes were wide and black in their faces. Frown lines creased their mouth. Blade scars creased cheeks and jaws. Filthy clothes draped gaunt frames. The larger males wore the thickest, cleanest, and newest garments. A giant of a man stood at the center of the crowd. He was taller than Yogmoth and double his height, garbed in warm wool and provisioned with weapons. He was a man of considerable influence and ability. You better start climbing back up, spider, the man growled. No guards here. Dangling above, Yogmoth said, I am not a guard. I am a healer. Angry laughter rattled among the damned. The giant said, A man who heals with swords? A man who knows blades both small and large, Yogmoth replied. Why would a healer come here? asked the giant, circumspectly motioning some of his folk to climb to the ledge above Yogmoth. I seek a man, a man with a deadly disease, a disease that is ravaging your people, Yogmoth said. Craven figures made their way up the path. The giant hissed. My people? My people? Since when do you parasites care about my people? Yogmoth saw no reason to lie. Since the artificer Glacian has become infected with the plague, I want to find the man who stabbed him, and if that man still lives. It was the last raid on the Manorig, little over a year ago. A prisoner stabbed a white-haired man who stood in the charging chamber. I want to find that prisoner. I want to study the disease that is killing him and Glacian, and many others here as well. If I can map the stages of degeneration, if I can discover the factors leading... His words were cut short, along with the rope that held him aloft. Yogmoth plunged thirty feet to the cave floor. Prisoners scattered below him. Only the giant remained. Yogmoth dropped to the ground and rolled. He came up standing, a pair of blades flashing out. They struck the giant's own blades, already converging to take off his head. He flung back the steel and ducked under and away. The giant man lunged after him. Yogmoth was too quick. He spun. His swords cracked against the prisoner's metal and cut a shallow trough through his side. Yogmoth staggered back and caught his breath. The giant paused. He dragged a bloody hand from the wound. If I'm going to add this sword-toting healer to my 530 kills, I would like to know his name. I am Yogmoth. Soon all of you will know that name. We'll know it and be glad to know it. He charged the giant, his swords carving separate arcs toward the man. All but you. You will be dead. Yogmoth batted back his foe's defenses and speared inward. Steel darted tongue-like and tasted the man's blood again. The sword emerged crimson. And what underworld king have I the honor of killing? Gore draped from the man's teeth as he staggered back, smiling. His underlings sniggered in the shadows. King? I am only a gate guard. <laughs> I am Doran, the gate guard. As though insulted, Yogmoth sheathed his swords. 
You're not even that anymore. His hand flicked from his belt. A dart leapt through the air. It quivered in Doran's forehead. He stood for a moment more, the poison spreading through his brain. That gory grin was his last expression. The man went down like a felled tree. Yagma calmly walked to the fallen man and stepped onto his back. He turned slowly about. His eyes pinned the others, one by one, to the wall. I have more poison darts here, enough for five of you. There are also daggers and swords and other devices. Everyone will get his turn. Or, perhaps, you can believe me and conduct me inward. An old woman spoke out of the darkness. Who but a soldier would come looking for the man who stabbed a genius? It no longer matters to you what I am, soldier or healer. It only matters that I turn my attention to someone else. Do you care if I plan to kill the man? Care instead whether I kill you first. I'll take you to him, said a boy. The voice was shrill and determined, and immediately drowned out by a chorus of objecting adults. They clustered about him, and someone began to drag the protesting child deeper into the caves. Away from him, shouted Yagma. He charged toward the mob. Anyone near the boy will die. Like frightened rats, they scattered back once more. Only the boy was left. His cheeks showed red marks where someone had clapped a hand over his mouth. Fear shone in his wide eyes, but he did not stagger away like the others. Yagmoth halted before him and went to one knee. He fixed the child with a piercing stare. You know who stabbed the man a year ago in the manor rig? The lad nodded. Yagmoth extended his hand toward the lad. Lead me to him. The boy led Yagmoth forward into a low, sloping passage that wound unevenly down into the darkness. The boy was sure-footed on these rumpled stones. Yagmoth was less so. He clung to the child with one hand and held out his power stone light with the other. The light flickered feebly before him. Behind came the furtive steps of others, following. Here and there, dark archways opened into side chambers. Haunted eyes stared out. Steel glinted. The boy turned down none of those. Yagmoth spoke, his voice watery against the stone. Where are we going? Where is this man? The boy answered easily. He's in the quarantine cave with the others. Ah, very good, Yagmoth said with a nod. A quarantine cave. Whenever somebody gets sick, we send them there. To keep it from spreading, Yagmoth supplied. That's good. The boy shook his head. Still, it's spreading. They reached the base of the winding passage. It opened out onto a lofty shelf. Below spread an enormous cavern. It seemed a valley in the world above, its vault dark with night and its base glimmering with tiny fires. All about those fires, faces huddled. Figures slept in cold bundles nearby. There were thousands in that cavern. A few lifted their eyes to see the new arrivals, the tall man and the small boy, their lights stabbing uselessly out into the overwhelming darkness. This is it? Yagmoth asked, stunned. Yes, the boy said. The quarantine cave. Everyone here has thysis. The sickness? Everyone. Yagmoth crouched down beside him, not this time to look at him in the eye, but to steady himself, to hide his own eyes from the sight before him. He is here, the man who stabbed Glacian. The man from the manor rig. The boy's tone was utterly solemn. Yes, he is here. His name is Gix.